God's Word. Let's pray. Lord God, there are many voices that we hear every single day. Voices that come from within our own heart and those that come from without. Lord, we pray that your voice would ring out loud and clear during these few minutes we have together as a church and the rest of this day and this week. Lord, would we hear your voice and know it is the voice of our Heavenly Father who wants us to become like his Son and wants us to be changed for our good. Lord, as we read this sobering reminder of how the kingdom of God is opposed, would you remind us that your king still, your kingdom still will be victorious in this world. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Brothers and sisters, this morning you have an important choice to make. Maybe you woke up this morning and you didn't think that you had a choice to make, and yet I'm here to tell you that you do have an important choice to make, and it's this. Whose kingdom will you promote? Whose kingdom will you promote? You may be saying to yourself, we live in a democracy, uh, where this isn't a kingdom. We don't have a king. And yet, I'm here to tell you that you do have a king, and you do live in a kingdom. But the question is, whose kingdom will you promote? And I confess to you that I am biased. I want you to make a specific choice. Uh, I don't want you to choose from many equal options, which are all equally good, but I want you to choose the right choice. I want you to choose to promote the kingdom of God. And what we see in this text, which should, I hope, I pray, help you make that choice, is that our hope is not in worldly kingdoms. Our hope is not in worldly kingdoms. And from that truth, that main truth, there's three implications for our life. Our hope is not in worldly kingdoms, so keep speaking the truth. Second, so beware of worldly power. And third, embrace the true king. So, first of all, keep speaking the truth. We begin this passage and uh, we are going back in time, as it were, as Jesus' apostles are going out, the Apostle Mark is telling us this other story that apparently had happened earlier. And we see that John the Baptist has been thrown in prison by King Herod. Now, why was he thrown in prison? Was it because he murdered someone? No. Was it because he stole something? No. John is in prison for speaking the truth. And we see uh, the specific truth that he spoke and why he's in prison is that he tells Herod that he cannot have his brother Philip's wife. Uh, he's quoting to him from the book of Leviticus, which forbade having your brother's wife. And Herod is thrown in prison because of it. You see, John's hope was not in a worldly kingdom. If it was, John would have kept his mouth shut. But his hope was not in that worldly kingdom. Now, let's take a moment and compare these two men that we see here. We have King Herod and we have John. 
uh, John is unafraid of speaking the truth. And yet when we look at Herod, we see that he is afraid of God's law and he is afraid of his wife and he is afraid of the opinions of others. His hope is in his own kingdom. And of course, we see that there's a little complexity in Herod. Uh, it says in verse 20 that Herod fears John and that he kept him safe uh, from being killed by his, his wife for a time. Uh, and it says that uh, he heard him gladly, even though he was greatly perplexed when he heard the truth preached by John. You see, Herod was uh, a collector of novelties, in a sense. Uh, he, he was interested uh, in these preachers. Later on, we'll see that he's also interested in Jesus. Not for the truth that Jesus preaches, but because he wants Jesus to perform a miracle for him. To put on a show. Uh, uh, King Herod is engaging in, in, in almost preaching voyeurism. He, he just wants to be uh, exposed to these different viewpoints. Uh, and that's a good reminder for us. Are we listening to preaching uh, of God's word in order to be changed or just because it tickles our fancy in some way? And we see here that speaking the truth will often not make you friends. Uh, when we look through the history of the church, uh, when we look at the history of martyrs in the church, men and women uh, who have been killed for speaking the truth, uh, we are reminded that speaking the truth often does not make us friends. Think of the Apostle Peter who was crucified upside down for speaking the gospel uh, to the Roman world. Uh, closer to our time, we think of Dietrich Bonhoeffer, the uh, famous German martyr who was executed uh, just before the end of World War II for speaking out against Hitler and his regime. Uh, we even think of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. who was shot for speaking the truth and promoting kingdom values of justice and equality in this country. And these are examples of we will not gain popularity points in this world for speaking the truth often. So at the end of this at the end of this narrative, we can ask ourselves who who comes out better in the end. Uh, on the surface, it looks as if uh, John does not come out better. He's he's beheaded. Uh, his ministry ends uh, in a very uh, very sad way, frankly. And for a while, it seems Herod keeps his kingdom. Although we know that uh, several years several years later, Herod will lose his kingdom. And even though in an earthly sense, we could, you, you see how John seems to lose in this instance, we know that he comes out better in the end because his hope is not in a worldly kingdom, but it is in the kingdom of God. So, brothers and sisters, knowing that, that your hope is secure in the kingdom of God, keep speaking the truth. Now, speaking the truth could look like different things for you. It may mean speaking the gospel, sharing the gospel to a neighbor or to a family member when the opportunity arises. Uh, it may actually mean uh, confronting a brother and sister uh, who has hurt you in some way. And, and out of love and desire to restore that relationship, you want to speak the truth of what has happened between you. 
And so I would invite you to ask God to show you what is keeping you from speaking the truth in different circumstances and ask him to give you enough love for others to be able to speak the truth to them, knowing that in the end you do not need to be afraid of people or what they can do for you, do against you, but your hope is in is not in this worldly kingdom. So your hope is not in a worldly kingdom, so speak the truth. But second, beware of worldly power. And I'm going to give you a brief definition of worldly power that we can see in this text. Worldly power is power used at the expense of righteousness and justice. It is power used at the expense of righteousness and justice. How is power used in this passage? We see King Herod, who is a king, and so he has great earthly power uh, using that against righteousness. Uh, he uses his power to throw John in prison. Uh, we see how his power gets him in trouble when he makes this oath that he, he cannot break. Uh, we see Herodias, his wife, using her influence, her power, to kill John. And so there are several examples of power being used in a worldly sense. And we see also the paradox of worldly power. Uh, what I mean is that you have this king, Herod, who supposedly is this great and awesome ruler who can, you know, do whatever he wants, and yet we see that Herod is enslaved by his own fear. He's afraid of his wife. He's afraid of the, his nobles, his government officials. He's afraid of their opinion of him. And, and the lesson that we learn from this is that trying to gain worldly power will actually enslave you. Uh, he ends up a slave to others in the end. So the more that we try to uh, gain or, or use worldly power, the more it will slip from your fingers. So beware of worldly power. And this is a, a good reminder for us that no kingdom in this world, in the end, is ultimately going to lead to the kingdom of God. And so the church needs to beware of selling herself to worldly kingdoms. This is why, historically, uh, the church should be wary of politicians brandishing Bibles in order to score political points. So the church needs to be aware of selling herself to politicians for political breadcrumbs. Our hope is not in worldly kingdoms. So beware of it. Now, uh, the most common kingdom that I advance, and probably many of you advance, is the kingdom of self. Uh, I am very much, uh, I, most of the day I confess, concerned with advancing my own kingdom, my own comfort, my own control of my circumstances. Uh, I often find myself uh, obsessed with, with maintaining uh, a certain level of, of comfort or happiness, and that's, that's simply not what I have been called to do. We've been called to surrender our kingdom of self to the kingdom of God. 
And uh, I was reminded uh, earlier, a couple weeks ago, of this quote by Christian thinker G.K. Chesterton, uh, an early 20th century uh, Christian theologian and journalist uh, who once gave an example in his book Orthodoxy of, of a madman who thinks that he is God. And of course, uh, if I were to ask many of you if, if you thought you were God, you would of course say no, of course not. Um, but isn't it true that functionally we are often living for our own kingdoms as if we are God? Uh, and this is what G.K. Chesterton says to, to those who think that they are God. He says, So you are the creator and redeemer of the world, but what a small world it must be. What a little heaven you must inhabit, with angels no bigger than butterflies. How sad it must be to be God, and an inadequate God. How much happier you would be, how much more of you there would be, if the hammer of a higher God could smash your small cosmos, scattering the stars like spangles, and leave you in the open, free like other men to look up as well as down. And that's a good reminder that uh, our kingdoms, uh, however important we think they are, in the end are, are ultimately not on the scale of the kingdom of God, the kingdom that we were meant to advance in this world. Now, I don't want you to go away from this message thinking that you should not use power at all. That's not what this text teaches. But you do have power. You have influence. And you are called in, in promoting the kingdom of God to use that influence. Uh, some of you have financial resources. And it's a good reminder to ask yourself, you know, if someone were to look at my bank account, uh, what, what kingdom would it show that you are advancing? And uh, not trying to shame anyone, uh, I count myself as, as among those who would, who would feel concern if someone were to look into my bank account. And yet, Jesus says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So some of us have financial resources. Uh, some of you have uh, lots of education. Uh, you don't have just one degree, but you have two or even three degrees. Uh, and God has given you uh, that education uh, for you to advance, uh, to promote his kingdom in some way. And so uh, these are resources that you've been given to use power in a way that promotes his kingdom. Uh, some of you may not have money <laughs> or education, but all of us have relationships. There are people in your life that listen to you and, and would be influenced by you uh, if you spoke to them. And so wherever you are, uh, whatever station in life you find yourself, you do have power. You do have influence uh, that we are called not to use to advance worldly kingdoms, but to advance the kingdom of God. So, our hope is not in worldly kingdoms, so keep speaking the truth. Second, beware of worldly power. But third, embrace the true king. Embrace the true king. 
When we look at this passage uh, of John the Baptist and Herod, at first it seems as if uh, it's primarily about John the Baptist. But actually, I, I want to argue to you that this passage is really about Herod. It's really about Herod. And, and as we come to this, this situation in which Herod has himself, uh, you know, at the end of this passage when uh, you know, he comes to this point, is he going to go through and kill John, uh, the preacher of righteousness, or is he going to save him uh, from this uh, oath that he's bound himself to? And of course, Herod makes the wrong choice. He bows to the opinions of others at the expense of righteousness. This passage shows us everything that King Jesus is not. Uh, Herod is the, is the very opposite of King Jesus. He's, he's almost a foil to King Jesus. King Herod fears God's law and does not obey it. But King Jesus perfectly obeys and fulfills it. King Herod fears the opinions of others, and yet King Jesus fears no man and listens only to the voice of his heavenly Father. King Herod sells out God's people and feeds them to the wicked, but Jesus sells himself to the wicked to feed his people. It is no accident that the, uh, the writer of this gospel places this story right before the feeding of the 5,000. You see, John is, almost, is, is in almost in a, in a twisted sense, being served on a platter as, as another uh, meal uh, for this banquet that Herod is, is having. And so we see the wicked killing John and, and almost consuming him, this very grotesque image and yet we see Jesus in the next passage feeding the people who come to listen to him. And that is the king that we serve. Our king is not like the rulers of this world who use people to get their own power and to further their own agendas. But Jesus gives himself to redeem his people. Our hope is in the true king. And so embrace, embrace the true king that we see in King Jesus. Brothers and sisters, John, John the Baptist did not have a death wish. I don't believe that. Uh, he did not want to be in prison. I do not believe this is how John wanted his ministry to end. In fact, we read in Matthew's Gospel that when John had been put in prison and he began to hear of what Jesus was doing, uh, we read that he begins to doubt whether Jesus truly is the Messiah. And this is what Matthew chapter 11 records for us. It says, Now when John heard in prison about the deeds of the Christ, he sent word to his disciples and said to him, are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? And Jesus answered them, Go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight, and the lame walk. Lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, and the dead are raised up, and the poor have good news preached to them. And blessed is the one who is not offended by me." 
And so we see how in love Jesus encourages his cousin John who was in prison and reminds him, I am the Messiah. I am the true king. And brothers and sisters, if it is true that John the Baptist doubted the greatest of the Old Testament prophets, how true is it of us that we also doubt and struggle to embrace the true king? Like John, you are going to suffer in this world. You will be disappointed. Your, your hopes, your goals in life are going to be dashed sometimes to the ground. And the question for you is what will you do in those times? Where will you turn in that season? Will you turn to the kingdoms of this world to give you ultimate comfort? Or will you embrace the true king? Because in the end, John embraces the true king and the kingdom that he advanced is the kingdom that will last forever. So ask God to help you submit all of your life to his will and his authority. Ask him to show you what are the areas that, that you are, are holding on to, uh, that you are resisting his influence in your life. I'm not sure what those could be. It could be uh, your finances. Uh, it could be... Um, just your, your opinion of others that you want to, to hold on to and, and control in some way. But ask him to help you let those things go so that you can know that your, the cause that you advance is going to last forever. I want to end with uh, this one of my favorite quotes from uh, 19th century preacher Charles Spurgeon. And this is actually the last words that he preached before he died uh, at a relatively young age. And it's a, a good reminder of the nature of our King Jesus. He says, Those who have no master are slaves to themselves. Depend upon it. You will either serve Satan or Christ, either self or the Savior. You will find sin, self, Satan, and the world to be hard masters. But if you wear the clothing of Christ, you will find him so meek and lowly of heart that you will find rest for your souls. There never was his like among the choicest of princes. He is always to be found in the thickest part of the battle. When the wind blows cold, he always takes the bleak side of the hill. The heaviest end of the cross lies ever on his shoulders. If he bids us carry a burden, he carries it also. If there is anything that is gracious, generous, kind, and tender, yes, lavish and superabundant in love, you always find it in him. His service is life, peace, and joy. It's a good summary of who our king is. So, our hope is not in worldly kingdoms. So keep speaking the truth. Beware of worldly power and embrace the true king. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we know that what, we have, what you call us to is too great on our own. And so we ask that your grace uh, would be shown to be sufficient for uh, what you've called us to do. We ask that you would do for us what we cannot do for ourselves. That we would keep speaking the truth in face of opposition. 
that we would beware of worldly power and use power that you've given us to promote righteousness and justice. And lastly, would you help us to embrace the true King? And we ask this all in the name of King Jesus. Amen.